Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a nice, sort of friendly way, as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer science's most interesting questions. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Mr. Michael Brooks. Is that Mr. as in you're giving yourself a promotion like a surgeon, or Mr. as in you're Oh, just no, that could be that, back? couldn't it? Yeah. I'm so big, I don't need to be doctor, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. That's impressive at a hospital, isn't it? Yeah, always. You, you know I mean, you've got real problems yeah, if a uh, mister comes in. Yeah, yeah. here comes Mr. Andrews to tell um, you you're going to die. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not Mr. Andrews. <laughs> he comes in with his side. Could I not have a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Is there an equivalent? Well, I suppose it's just professor, isn't it? Is the yeah, you, you get professor and then you're sort of done, aren't you, really? Is there anything above professor? No. 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 No, it's good enough. I mean, I'm one level off the top, effectively. You feel like more than that, though, don't you? Feels like a long way. As in, you feel further away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about today? So you know how I've now got an electric car. Of course you have. Of course I have. So feeling woke. very smug. Yeah. And uh, But the thing is, I was feeling smug until I started to read about like you know, the minerals that go into making them and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know, if you want everyone to have an electric car then you need to make the batteries from stuff that people are now talking about mining off the ocean floor. <laughs> well, that instinctively doesn't feel good to me. <laughs> so, you know, that, I mean, exactly. So and it's sort of like the more you read about that, you think, oh, I'm not sure everyone should have an electric car, actually. If we haven't got the resources to actually build them without strip mining the ocean bed, that, that's sort of a problem. So so here's, an, here's my idea. R- rather than destroy the ocean floor mm-hmm. where there's obviously biodiversity mm-hmm. uh, we maybe should leave it mm-hmm. um, why not get the materials from somewhere where there's no biodiversity as in space oh space again <laughs> just an excuse for you to talk about space uh, again we, well we did you know we, we, did, we did rockets and we did you know warp drives well that's just one episode there's more to space than that surely <sighs> okay. but yeah we're going to dive into space mining so is there um is there a chance that you might trade your electric car back in for the old MX-5? Still got the MX-5. Have you still got that? That's good. <laughs> That's good. Just when you really want to flex. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Just when I'm not feeling man enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so space mining is... I mean, what's your gut reaction to that? So my, my gut reaction is uh, fine, but... The obstacles are huge because I guess I'm just thinking about how you transport the stuff and the energy required to do that. So how I get up there to do the mining and then bring it back feels tricky. Yeah, that's, <laughs> tricky that's, is a good word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tricky. It, yeah. it is definitely tricky, and we're going to get into all of that. But at the same time, let's not mine the ocean floor. Then yeah, point taken. 
Air, sunlight, soil and water. Mammals, birds, fish and plants. Oil, coal, natural gas, metals, stone, even sand. All of these natural resources are right here on planet Earth. The things we take for granted. Yet as time ticks on and we use up more and more of our resources, it's time to think about what else is out there. Could the answer be in space? Space is a largely untapped resource with huge potential. One asteroid snappily named 16 Psyche is believed to have enough gold and other precious metals to be valued at 700 quintillion dollars. That's enough to give humans on Earth a tidy fortune of 100 million dollars each. NASA is pursuing the possibility of harvesting resources from space to both help us here on Earth and on our missions out into the stars. Could this be the answer to our depleting supply here on Earth? We don't know, and that's why this week we're asking, could we get resources from space? Let me tell you about our expert this week. Mm -hmm. She's Dr. Adriana Moraes. Mm -hmm. She has the most insane CV ever, right? So cool. she's currently a director at the Foundation for Space Development Africa, which is developing Africa's first mission to the moon, the Africa 2 moon project. Mm -hmm. She is a member of the South African... Didn't spend long thinking about that name, did they? <laughs> what were we thinking? Oh, Africa, I mean, Africa to the moon, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a member of the South African government ministerial task team on the fourth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. uh, she's on the faculty at Singularity University. She's the founder of Proudly Human, which is a project that prepares for life on the moon, Mars and beyond, as well as providing solutions for those living in harsh conditions on Earth. Uh, and she is currently developing a blockchain-based economic system for off-world environments, working towards a second PhD. And get this, her first was in quantum physics. Oh, I wonder why he likes her so much. Um, well, you know, in fairness, that is an impressive CV, but you've got to bear in mind that I presented the Hollyoaks Music Show, <laughs> uh, which was, uh, so it was, it was on the set of Hollyoaks, but then bands would come in and um, play uh, iconic venues in the Hollyoaks Village. And I presented that. So who's winning so, really? So, yeah, you can keep your doctorate and your second doctorate. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when she gets her, her second PhD, can she be a doctor doctor? I guess so, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. That's a big flex. Yeah. I mean, she's not going to give that up as easily as I gave up doctor today. No, no, but then she probably isn't constantly going on about it. <laughs> anyway, so obviously, I know what you're thinking. She's so good. This episode is going to be out of this world. Hmm. Just thinking about whether I want to do this podcast anymore. Um, well, I'll do this episode and I'll see how I feel. So space mining uh, is, uh, is interesting because we do know that extracting resources on Earth is is expensive but equally as i was saying Tricky. getting to space is way more expensive and much harder yeah um we talked about this in our rockets episode so what i guess like what is the motivation behind behind space mining all right well, is it just can you running, guess we're just oh uh, yes uh money <laughs> yeah, that, that would be it <laughs> money and we're running out of shit yeah yeah so there's money to be made yeah basically because okay. everyone's saying oh we need we need more of this stuff people are saying well you know it's there in space if you pay me enough i'll set up a program to go and get it um i mean we you know we're, we're now in a privatized space race basically yeah uh, so, as you know you know we've got all these corporations that are actually sort of working towards 
life in space, you know, talking about colonization of the moon and Mars. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, there's lots of kind of reasons to do this, I guess, as a step towards other things as well. Uh, but first, um, let's hear uh, Dr. Dr. Oh, no, she's not yet. Dr. Dr. Soon Dr. to be Dr. 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 Adriana's answer to your question. So at some point, we are going to run out, not of these metals and minerals in general, but run out of regions on the surface of Earth where we can easily extract such things. So in fact, looking to the asteroid belt, where we do find cores of planetesimals and many other pieces of rock that come from smashed up planets or, or, or other bodies in space, we can actually extract the kinds of minerals and metals that may lie deep below a planet's surface, um, just in a rock that may be a few meters or a few kilometers wide orbiting around the sun. Um, so that's some indication of, of why we would want to, rather than dig kilometers below the surface of Earth, perhaps start to look for these same kinds of minerals and metals that we need in our technologies um, beyond Earth. And of course, the environmental implications of digging up the surface of a planet that's teeming with life, you know, by by this current era, there are people and creatures living in all the regions that we would like to dig up to get resources. So there's a, a good ethical motivation also, I believe, for, for looking to the asteroid belt um, where we may find the same kinds of resources, even more easy to extract than on a planet. Yeah, so I, I, I get it. The Earth's mining resources are, are running out and will run out sooner or later uh and we're already sort of fucking over the environment and plants and animals that live where we want to mine so yeah. we should look for alternatives and and people sort of you know wring their hands and say oh we've already ruined the earth we can't ruin space as well but space is kind of a ruin to be honest i mean these are oh, a shithole yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i mean there's these, nothing there. these asteroids are not like pretty or anything mm -hmm. they're, you know they're just potentially useful resources and basically down here you know we we've got you know so so for instance platinum is a good example mm -hmm. so platinum you know hugely obviously valuable metal down here used in catalysts for all kinds of sort of industrial processes and it's a really important catalyst in hydrogen fuel cells so if we convert all the cars or you know a lot of cars into hydrogen burning things with fuel cells in them mm -hmm. uh, that have platinum in them you know so 500 million vehicles basically we run out of platinum in 15 years like literally run out of platinum right so so you know it's not really a good option no without some other source of it so and um you know and and i mean as well i mean i i quite like the idea of mining asteroids because you can find a lot out about you know the history of the solar system you, you know so you can do science so nasa is already doing science by looking at asteroids so we could just do more and get some stuff from them as well at the same time so, so is there platinum floating about then? There's a lot of platinum floating about. Okay. There's a lot of, you know, things that are really rare on Earth and valuable are just floating about in these asteroids because, you know, f obviously, as Adriana says, they're, they're sort of deep down in the Earth's crust. But these things have just broken up planets or broken up planets that didn't quite form. So they're there sort of on the surface of these asteroids. So it's just exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so, you know, so, so it will also teach us something about how planets form as well, hopefully, if we have a look at them before we start strip mining them. Well, would there be a sort of weird um, economic effect, which is if you went and mined a shit ton of platinum from an asteroid, say, and then bought it back, suddenly the value of platinum decreased 
exponentially. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get to that. Yeah, yeah, I mean that that is, I mean that is a sort of you know a given that if you bring yeah a massive amount of platinum back yeah, down to earth, obviously you've destroyed yeah. it. But if you bring it back down. And keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like the people bringing it down probably. Do you think would. they might? Yeah. yeah. But, um, I mean, you know, before we get to that, 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 that horrible situation, what's, what's where... in that lockup, John? <laughs> that you brought back down for space? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is sort of. It's really hard to do. So space mining. So you know, we can talk about people sort of making themselves rich. Or, or destroying the world economy, but actually, you know, to get there to that situation is going to require quite a lot of of work. So, so you know, if you want to mine an asteroid, fair play to you in some ways because there's a lot of uh, work to overcome. You know, when we talked about you know, tech billionaires, and ended up basically saying, well, fair play to them because actually they've solved a big problem and they probably deserve to get a lot of money for solving that problem. Mm. If you are the kind of person who can solve how to mine asteroids profitably, then you know. Fair play to you, really, because you. I mean, these things are spinning, right? I mean, not only are they out there in space and in the asteroid belt, or sometimes coming close to Earth, but not mm, that close. Not that close. Not yeah. that close. And and you've got to get to them, and then you've got to um, somehow attach yourself to Land them. Land on them. They've got very little gravity, so you've got to grapple onto them mm. and hold on mm -hmm. while you either drill down using presumably solar-powered machinery. So it's got to be incredibly efficient solar-powered mm. machinery because you're not going to put fuel up there. You know, no. that's, that's going to be too heavy, too difficult. Um, you know, so you've got to maybe even de-spin it. So you, you use thrusters to, to kind of um, stop it spinning so you can, you know, you don't get thrown off or the stuff doesn't all just fly off as soon as you, as you um, uh, have mined it. So there's a lot to do, basically. And then you've got to get it back either to low Earth orbit for processing yeah. or back all the way to Earth. So, that, you know, the, it's sort of quite a tough job to, to mine an asteroid and you know you and probably wildly, need a fleet of, of vehicles to take the stuff as well wildly expensive yeah yeah I mean it, it's sort of NASA's put it at like 2.6 billion to sort of mine a kind of small scale asteroid basically. that sounds cheap to me do you think so? I think that sounds cheap yeah I mean this was yeah. a, a kind of little one so this is like a 7 meter wide okay. asteroid so not, not oh, okay. huge Difficult landing, probably. A horrible landing. Seven meters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so it's about 500 tonnes of asteroid and 2.6 billion. So uh, presumably that'll scale up. And obviously, if you develop this technology, then you get better at it and, you, and yeah, it gets cheaper the more you do, obviously. But, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sort of quite a lot. But at the same time, you know, if you set up a rare earth mine on Earth, like so for, yeah. for rare elements, yeah. you know, the, these valuable elements, that's going to cost you a billion, right? Yeah. So, so actually, 2.6 billion doesn't sound like ridiculous to me in some ways. But then, is, is the, sorry, I'll keep coming back to this. Is there not the issue that I, I spend all this money to then bring all this stuff back that then I immediately devalue because suddenly I've got shitloads of it? Yeah, but if you hold on to it, as I said, you're not so devaluing it, just, it. Yeah, and and you get apparently the the companies involved are talking about getting fifty billions worth of platinum, say, out of a sort of hundred foot asteroid, right? Okay, so fifty billion, and obviously, if you flood the market with platinum, that's a problem. But you know, you're you're spending quite a lot. So so they reckon thirty five thousand dollars per kilogram to bring it back to Earth. Mm -hmm. So obviously, that's you know quite a lot. Of money, and how much would it be worth once you got it back there? Yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, it's hopefully more than that. Well, I mean, it depends if you keep it to yourself and and don't tell the platinum market that you're just about to. <laughs> the, the information is probably going to get out. There. Yeah, it might do. It might do. But I mean, who, who, they're, they're sort of they're, they're sort of trying to factor in all this elasticity of price and and mm, all this stuff mm. to make to make it viable, to make it worthwhile. And um, obviously, you know, that means you if you're bringing it back from space, you're probably going to decrease production on Earth. And I mean, it, it's hard to find the economic, I mean, it's basically hard to get a bank loan to get this yeah. done, right? Yeah. Because it's hard to prove that you can really make money and significant serious amounts of money worth making. But at the same time, you know, you, you might improve mining efficiency once you start sort of getting on with this. You know, yeah, you'd assume you would, yeah. And and things like the Falcon, like reusable rockets, bring down the cost of, of this kind mm-hmm. of thing as well. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that if Elon Musk was willing to pay $44 billion for Twitter, was it, or mm-hmm. something? Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is small change in some ways. And mm-hmm. if he decided, I want to create a, a, a fleet of space rockets and, and fleet vehicles and, and trucks that carry stuff back to... Let's get mining. He could yeah. probably do it yeah. if he yeah, wanted yeah. to do it. So, yeah. so it's, it's possible... To, to kind of do this thing and um the the big problem is that like you know asteroids are quite inaccessible there's not that many of them out there yeah i, I think that's the maybe the thing that we're slightly uh overlooking at the moment is just aside from the cost it's just fiddly <laughs> fiddly really. i mean first it was tricky now yeah, it's fiddly I, I think it's tricky i think it's fiddly I spoken think it's like a bank st- manager he's <laughs> <laughs> asking for a loan well it looks tricky it's fiddly um, yeah, I mean, it's, so basically, what people have realised now is that the moon is sort of easier than ninety percent mm-hmm. of the near Earth asteroids, yeah, and so it's they're saying, "Ish oh, and big asteroids were a good idea, but a bit tricky and fiddly." Mm. What about the moon? Could we not mine that? Yeah, answer staring you in the face. It Get really is. Yeah, Get busy. Yeah, is it? Is it just cheese? Here's what Adriana said to that question, which I didn't ask her, obviously. If we're thinking about extracting physical material resources, um, the moon is then the closest uh, body that is currently under discussion. And the kind of resources that people are thinking about extracting from the moon um, primarily uh, center around a sustainable human presence on the surface of the moon. So for that, we need power and um Rocket fuel, the type of rocket fuel that is hydrogen burned and oxygen, can be uh, created from water, H2O. Both of those um, elements are present in this very valuable and precious molecule that we'd probably take for granted here on Earth on a planet covered 71% by water. But uh, the primary goal um, or the discussions around our return to the moon in the the next few years are centering around the extraction of H2O ice on the surface of the moon to use for for fuel, but also, of course, for water, for whether that's for crude missions or for agriculture, perhaps for the crude missions. And of course, the oxygen that can also be split from the H2O water molecule by electrolysis or some of the process. Um, So in fact, the single molecule H2O is the basis for both power systems, fuel in terms of fuel, and also for water, for plants and humans, and also for oxygen that humans require. Actually, listening to um, Dr. Dr. Adriana, soon to be, talking to her idea of, of moon mining is actually more about sort of space exploration 
Yeah, um, so she's not, I mean, when she's talking that, she's not initially talking about, like, you know, strip mining it for valuable no. materials as such. No. So, but initially you set it up as a base, don't you? So so the important thing, if you want a, to do all this sort of space ex- exploration, go and mine asteroids, you need a lunar base. It makes a lot more sense to launch that and maybe process stuff on the moon. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you know, you need to kind of basically have rocket fuel from the moon yeah. So, so the initial thing is like, well, there's loads of water on the moon, as it turns out. Let's um, let's get hold of that, make some rocket fuel, and away we go. So it's a kind of step on the way, I guess. Yeah, but because the gravity is is lower. Yeah. On, yeah. on the moon, that, that yeah. that's the main advantage, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So it's just easier to get off. But there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with ideas of mining the lunar surface as well. Okay, before we jump into the possibilities of lunar mining, I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, but when we're back, we'll get stuck into the future of space mining while Apple is messing around with a robot called Daisy, uh, as well as, of course, answering our question, could we get resources from space? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And we're back. So go on then. What about the lunar surface? Uh, what's going on with the research there? So there's, um, again, private companies are basically going to the moon this year, probably. I mean, they're on schedule at the moment. So um, autumn launch, late to, or late 2022, they're saying. Uh, there's this company called iSpace that's built uh, a, a program for a Japanese company. So the, the Hakuto program basically is going to land on the moon and kind of have a look and do some sampling and see what see what it finds. Um, they're also, I think, on the same mission, and it's all going up on a Falcon rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, again, that's SpaceX, another private company is involved. Uh, there's a, a, a lunar explorer from the UAE is going up as well. So their first moon mission. Uh, and they're all basically looking to see, you know, what you can extract. I mean, you can imagine that UAE is like... Oh, yeah. We're quite good We've at got extraction. A bit, of, uh, bit of form here, actually. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's have a little look. So, so what they're looking for is is primarily water. So there's, uh, they think there's around well, there's tens of billions of metric tons of of water in the form of permafrost and ice mm-hmm. at the moon's poles. So somebody wants to get a piece of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, this and is, sorry, did you say that the company is called iSpace? Yeah, her Apple not going schizo about that. <laughs> they probably tried, haven't they? But but I, I guess you know some lawyers said, you know what, you don't do space exploration yet, Apple. So you don't own everything that begins with an I. Yeah, I mean maybe I don't know. I'm no lawyer, so but they can't own everything that begins with an I, can they? 
I guess not. But as soon as you hear iSpace, you're like, oh, Apple are doing it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Hooky Apple. <laughs> so um, obviously, you know, as we said, you split water into hydrogen and oxygen. You yeah. basically got yourself a rocket fuel mm-hmm. and, and the combustion. And we're doing combustion. that by electrolysis, are we? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not sure where the power comes from for that. Solar that power? Sort of, I guess I, you can solar it. I guess. I sort of my question with a lot of this is where is that it feels like the energetic demands are massive for all of this. Yeah. Maybe it's sort of capital outlay. And once you're up yeah. and running, once it's you're, okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm sure that's, that's yeah. how it is. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you could look at any space project and say, oh, this is, you know, energy intensive or capital intensive or whatever. But it's still worth doing to some people, at least. You know, Elon yeah. Musk is saying it's worth doing. So let's put the capital in. Um, so, so you know, you're mining lunar ice. Uh, people have said as well that we should mine helium three from the surface of the moon because there's loads of that there, and and that's a fuel for I mean for fusion. Whether or not you can build a fusion reactor that really you know uses it properly is another question altogether. Because mm-hmm. fusion, as we know, is always forty years away. Mm-hmm. But but people are saying you know that there's kind of and obviously there's there's likely to be sort of um, minerals, um, maybe things that we haven't you know don't realise are up there as well. So there's sort of various possibilities once we get there, and we kind of won't know until we try effectively yeah. Yeah. with all this. Um, and and you can. Um, I mean, there's a Silicon Valley startup, right? Opus 12, which is basically doing electrolysis of carbon dioxide. And it's sort of got this, this system going. So you can basically make methane, again, another fuel, mm. and uh, ethylene and, and other, basically other carbon fuels. Mm. Uh, and, and that's obviously, you know, what um, SpaceX uses for its Raptor, for instance, is, is uh, liquid methane. So you've got the potential to sort of, and, and there's loads of carbon dioxide around and on the moon. So you can you can basically put a pump up there that electrolyzes the carbon dioxide, make your you know rocket fuel, and away you go. So it's sort of doable. You know the the, the logistics are difficult. The, sorry, the, the electrolysis of carbon dioxide. How am I ending up with methane? Well, because you, I mean, you you must have to combine it obviously with the hydrogen that you're getting from the right, water okay, ice as okay, well. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Again, it's just chemistry, isn't it? It, it? Presumably. <laughs> The must, I can't be the only person who's a bit sceptical about this stuff. <laughs> no, far from it. And, um, and so the, I mean, the, a lot of people are saying, yeah, this isn't really going to happen. It's sort of easy to talk about it, but the practicalities really tie you down. And um, so there's a guy at Birkbeck College in London um, called Ian Crawford who's spoken quite a lot about, he's basically called bullshit on a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. and says it's just not going to work out economically. And, and it's sort of just so hard to construct something on the moon that's like a renewable power plant. Mm. It's, a, it's basically not, it's not going to happen. We don't need helium-3 yet, you know. And, and also, you know, the ethics of strip mining the moon are questionable in some respects. In the, you know, there's legal things in force that seem to suggest that the moon belongs to everybody and it's not just first come, first serve. So, so how, how do you deal with that there? I mean, presumably countries are trying to put dibs on bits of it. Well, I think nobody's successfully doing that. And and there was a time when Obama signed a thing saying you know, it was okay for American companies to go and, and mine in space and, and stuff. So I don't think there's any kind of really strong legal situation. Have I misremembered this? Or did that, it feels like the kind of thing that might happen. Did the Chinese not land something on the, on the dark side yeah. of the moon? 
and no one's quite sure what what, what they're up to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Because what I'm imagining is that they've just been they've just been mining it. <laughs> we just can't see it, and then someone's going to fly past and be like, "Oh Jesus Christ, this is decimated!" Half the moon's gone. Half the moon's gone. <laughs> they've literally just like turned it into a, a hemisphere. hemisphere. <laughs> oh, Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, no, we did we did just do that. With yeah, our, um, yeah I think we'd you. see the stuff coming back to Earth, wouldn't we? <laughs> Also, what would like, that do to the orbit of the moon? I mean, that would I don't know. send it haywire, presumably. I, I feel like it would be it would be a problem. Yeah, we, yeah. I think we'd notice. I think so. <laughs> I, I, think I mean, so. I like the idea though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be a um, hell of a surprise. I mean, if you made it a lot lighter, then it would just fly off, wouldn't it? Isn't that what the uh, physics works? Yeah, yeah, yes, I think so. Yeah. I mean, people would. Oh, well, in fairness, though, when you're talking about these mining operations you're not taking that much so here's something else again coming back to the economics of it these are largely private endeavors which mean if they do work then uh, a load of really 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 rich people will get even richer am i right uh Yes, you're right. And that's actually one of the concerns that Adriana raised. There are certain uh, asteroids in the asteroid belt, um, as you've said, between Mars and Jupiter, where we see bodies that could be estimated at trillions of dollars in terms of what we estimate their content to be. And if it's a pure, if it's a several hundred ton mass of mostly platinum, what actually would happen if we brought this rock back to Earth? And now things get more speculative. So if, if platinum was no longer a rare metal because we brought back several hundred tons of it from some asteroid uh, in the belt, what would happen to the price of platinum? So um, it's, it's correct in thinking that we run the risk of the rich profiting even further from space resources and getting richer basically on inequality that we've seen increase, um, especially in the last two years and the economic lockdowns associated with the pandemic. We've seen inequality increase, we've seen poverty increase, and this seems to be the direction in which our current economic system is taking us, that increasingly wealth and resources are owned by a few yeah so the the space mining market could be worth you know trillions and trillions of yeah of dollars and because there's no real it's like the wild west out there yeah yeah exactly uh, like that. Yeah. It, it could just make a handful of people sort of phenomenally rich and is there gold in any of them yeah yeah so doesn't doesn't gold sort of underpin the world's Financial markets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. If I mean, this... bought back a shit ton of gold. What does I mean, that it, do? It screws everything, it right? Screws everything. Yeah. I think. Like if you bring back a shit ton of platinum, it's yeah. it sort of screws everything. Unless you just keep it to yourself mm. and sort of you know use it as currency effectively. Mm. So you're spending it, but I, I feel like that's unlikely. <laughs> it does feel unlikely. And, but it? I mean, the thing is that, that you know. If they flood the markets with it, I mean, I don't care about the price of platinum coming down. No, no. You know, that that doesn't bother me as such. And if that means that what you've got is cheap catalysts for um, a fuel cell economy or a new new way of producing energy, then that's a great thing. Yeah, because they're still, they're still valuable as a, as a utility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so you, you take it as a kind of a, a startup for the energy revolution. 
and you know maybe you just wipe off the value of platinum and say i've brought all this back for the good of humanity i mean you could Mm. Not imagine that happening, can you really? But mm. you know, once I've once, once I've offset that against tax, obviously, because that's yeah. a huge business expense. But you know, the, the, there are ways to which in which you could do that. I mean, it's it's a staggering amount. So like one this one thing, psyche um, sixteen psyche, this asteroid. Yeah, it's like quadrillions, which is like one followed by fifteen zeros worth oh, of dollars lot, yeah. in it are, you know many many quadrillions much bigger than the global economy so you dump that back on earth and you've basically obliterated the the global economy and the way everything works in civilization pretty much um time for a reset anyone well yeah. i mean you know maybe that's the the, yeah. the most radical thing uh. but um you know it's sort of it's a long way away we can't get to it really so so nasa are going to send a probe to it to have a look but you know for science not not to to bring any of it back or well, that's what they're telling us <laughs> and <Yeah, okay. laughs> but so, so they'll they'll um arrive at the asteroid in 2026 it's launching in august actually first of august is is the launch for that um coming back 26 and it'll tell us stuff about you know what's the you know, sorry it arrives at the asteroid in in 2026 yeah and they'll just do data analysis and and send back the data and they sort of tell us about the kind of formation of the early universe. I mean, that's that they're seeing it as a science mission. But what I guess what it shows is you can get there and you can look at this stuff, and it's got this ridiculous amount of you know of stuff on it. So even if you took a small part of it back, you'd probably yeah. still be able to kind of make a profit on the mission. I'd have thought, but I, you know, um, I, so so it feels that like all of this is slightly moot unless we have the the technology necessary to actually actually do mining in space to actually mine asteroids like do, do we think we yeah. can do it well i mean we're making some progress on that front okay. i mean it's not like the warp drives Good. You know, where, where you know it sounds great but we're not really going to do it so you know we've got all these sort of sample return missions that are happening and we've done that you know hayabusa 2 sort of sampled an asteroid for a uh we surveyed at first and then took samples and and we've got various sort of missions that have have sampled asteroids, brought back stuff back to Earth. So, um, and there's more on the way. China's doing one, um, and China's doing a lunar sample mission as well. Because we, you know, we haven't brought much stuff back from the Moon actually, mm. and really, not really sort of investigated that. Um, you know, so the back half of the Moon, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they've obviously like brought that back in secret, and then they're, they're, doing, they're just going to do the front half, guys. This is this is all we're, we're interested. Just, we just brought this tiny piece back. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all sort of it's it's doable. You know, we've landed stuff. On, you know, you remember we we landed on uh, Rosetta, I think it was. Yeah, and Rosetta, the Philae lander, landed on an asteroid, uh, crashed and failed a little bit but we still got some stuff you know got some science out of it so we can do that thing crashed crashed and failed is not great though if i've just spent 2.6 billion yeah I'm but, like, oh. but you know that was i mean that was a, a, a government science thing whereas the private oh, ones fine then well, private yeah. ones will work yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all sort of doable and sort of just needs upscaling I would say. Mm. And we've got some other technologies as well. So there's a, an organization called Transastra, which is actually funded by NASA, but it's a sort of startup um, that's looking into getting water out of the moon's surface with like literally a pump, effectively. So it's like a, a mining for, for mining the ice and bringing water out of the surface. So, so we've got sort of some technologies being developed for this future of, of their stuff, you know, being industrial stuff going on on the moon. And, you know, to some degree in asteroids, but asteroids are more difficult. 
You, so, so it's definitely sort of happening. You mentioned that we obviously need to upscale everything. How, how far off are we from upscaling in a meaningful way? Uh, I think, I mean, from what Dr. Adriana said to me, quite a long way. So here's what, here's what she said. We're still a long way away from that. Um, look at manufacturing facilities here on Earth. Look at nuclear power station facilities here on Earth. You know, a lot of the facilities that produce, whether it's power or electronics, are still vast kind of enterprises with crews of thousands, if not more people, working at the facilities to, to produce these very specialized sort of components that arguably we would need when we're in space. Um, you know, m computer microchips, for example, this is something we would need to be able to produce in space eventually. Yeah, let's not go into detail on Earth about supply chain interruptions that have happened because of the economic lockdowns, partially um, during the pandemic and the resulting shortage of computer microchips because Taiwan is currently the major producer of these kind of components. So even on Earth, we haven't quite got it right in terms of being able to mass produce the most essential pieces of technology that we need. So, yeah, um... Mm, I mean, good point. I, I've talked a good game up to this point and now it's like she's sort of saying we're still not very good at it on Earth and obviously space is hard so it is going to be harder but I'm just worried that we're strip mining the seabed soon and I'd like to avoid that so I'd rather the sort of technological innovation went mm. into, into strip mining the moon than the seabed if I'm honest and then maybe that's controversial but I, I really don't like the idea of, of us just like uh, No, I, I think if it's a straight choice between yeah, strip mining the the ocean floor. Yeah, or space mining. Then I go space mining because I don't give a shit about space. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a straight choice between that because we definitely can strip mine the ocean floor. Yeah, I know. And I'm not so sure currently that we can mine in space. So in some ways, what we need to do is is reduce the resources that we require. Yeah, we need to get better. At what we're doing on Earth, don't we? Yeah, like recycling, yeah. reusability, circular economy. Yeah, yeah, all um, that stuff. Using like stuff from, I mean, I've got like phones sitting in my drawers, like the office drawer, just old phones, which I haven't got around to recycling. Which can, see. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a huge flex, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just old burner phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Affair phones, drugs phones. <laughs> <laughs> but they contain these minerals. Like th that we need, and I'm just sitting on them and not doing anything about them. So that they need to be like properly recycled, and we need to be much better at that. Um, Are we doing that? Some, yeah, yeah. You can send them away for for recycling and for the minerals but, uh, to be extracted. Are we any good at that? I suppose is my uh, is my question. So we're getting better at that. And Apple has this amazing robot actually that that um that uses AI. Mm -hmm to strip the resources, the minerals, the metals out of old phones. Mm. And it can do 10 phones in three minutes. It's like... That's that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it's good. You think how hard it is to get into those things and then, you know, so it can just identify what it needs to pull out. And, and, and from... So, from, I, like, literally, I, I chuck it a phone and it and it just, like, yanks it open and, and gets the good stuff out. Basically, yeah. It's called Daisy. That's cute. It's, like it, it is cute, and it, and it and it seems to work. By the way, I mean, you know, call back to our AI episode where, uh, yeah, where AI getting better. Than expert us. said, you know, no, it's fine. It's like if they can do things like that, yeah. I'm worried about that. Yeah. yeah anyway, on, so on, Janaid, so we're losing our Janaid, age, wasn't it? Yeah, Janaid Mabeen. Um, yeah. Oh, 
I mean, he he was the optimist, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. We're not optimists here. No, sure. I don't think so. <laughs> so, you know, obviously we need to like reuse, recycle, do all that kind of stuff. And, and we need to please not strip the ocean bed. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, why not look at space mining? I'm, I like the idea of some tech billionaire saying, do you know what I'm going to do? We're not going to, you know, we're not going to talk about a Mars colony yet. We're not going to talk about a, a, a moon colony. What we're going to do is just talk about and develop technology for getting those kinds of resources. Let's just do a pilot project, make it happen, find an asteroid, see what we can get from it, bring it back to Earth. Let's see how much money they lose on it, but maybe they'll make some. I mean, and clearly, uh, to some degree, we will have to colonise the moon, though, in order to make this stuff happen. Yeah, I don't I mind think. that. You're all right with that? I'm all right with that. There's nothing there. No. I mean, it no. sort of gets pum- pummeled by asteroids or meteorites, doesn't it? You say there's nothing there. We don't know what's going on in the back. Well, half of it's missing. <laughs> yeah, half of it's missing. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, our question is, could we get resources from space? Here's what Adriana said. We, in fact, already get a lot of resources from space, uh, the most significant input being sunlight, which does travel through space from the sun. And so the question is, can we utilize resources on a larger scale than we currently do? And perhaps when we reframe the question like that, it becomes obvious that if we are to continue to grow our population and our technological capabilities, that we have no choice than to expand our resource utilization beyond planet Earth. Besides the ethical questions um, and the ethical impact that our resource extraction is having here on Earth, namely the pollution of our supply of air, water and soil, the eradication of species with whom we share this habitat, um, is another motivation for expanding the regions in which we extract resources as far as the Moon, Mars, most importantly the asteroid belt and perhaps even beyond. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like Adriana's sunlight thing. <laughs> I did. No, yeah, yeah, fine, very clever. Uh, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about, and you know it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, she's she's bang on. Like, I don't. Well, I think we've both established we don't care. Uh, you can ravage the moon. <laughs> you can. You can. Ra- you, I mean, you it's can a terrible ravage. thing to say. It sounds terrible. But, but, but we have this sort of romantic idea about the moon, and it's like you I, I know. don't care about the moon. And certainly, I don't care about asteroids. Like, no, why, what, no. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing. You're not destroying anyone's habitat. No, there's nothing like, there. It's just free it's money. It's just like a floating piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that happens to have loads of good stuff in it. So yeah, yeah, yeah take the good stuff if you can. Um, but it does. It does feel uh, like what then. If we can do it, expensive as it will be, what then happens when you start bringing loads of this stuff back? I mean... We just have a reset. Yeah, I, get, I don't know if it's as easy as you say, but yeah, maybe. It's all cryptocurrency, mate. That's why yeah. she's developing <laughs> cryptocurrency, isn't it? She's worked it out. Um, also, you, you'll, you'll know this. So you know the kind of, and this is all like hypothetical stuff, where people talk about... Um, levels of technological civilizations, and we're at like level three. Or oh something. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the what's the one where when you when you get like your start like super brain, where you effectively you surround your star with, I guess, 
I mean, they look like massive solar panels or whatever, but you effectively, so you're harnessing like 90% of the available energy from the star that you're that your planet is orbiting around. Have you yeah. ever seen pictures of that? Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I've vaguely come across it. you sort of built yeah, this yeah. enormous yeah. structure and suddenly you've just got energy coming out of your ass. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and that's how you then you then have enough energy to do you know, space exploration. It sort of takes us to the next level, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm wondering about that. What's it called? It's got a name. That sort of. I mean, obviously, obviously, we haven't done it, and we have got no fucking know. idea how to Should do I it. Google it. Yeah, go on. So big. Yeah, I'm intrigued by your search term. Here. <laughs> I'm going um, technological civilization, uh, highest level structure around star, <laughs> harnessing energy. See what comes up. It's the got Kardashev scale. Yeah, yeah, that's the scale. Is that the one? Yeah. So is this a Dyson sphere? It's a Dyson sphere. That's yes. it, Dyson sphere. Google's yeah. great, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I've not given it much there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Dyson sphere. Describe yeah. describe it. Oh, uh, according to Wikipedia, a hypothetical megastructure that completely encompasses a star and captures a large percentage of its solar power output. I've actually described that pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like a huge solar panel surrounding the sun. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, uh, it's worth I aiming for. Yeah, I think and we so. can build it out of platinum. We'll have so much. Do what we like, build it out of gold. <laughs> Absolute money. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore, and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Dr. Adriana Murray. We also really love hearing from you guys, so if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london, or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.